0: Hello and welcome to One News Inside Parliament, your weekly, mostly podcast from the One News team on the big political stories of the week. My name is Felix Demaret, I am the digital, digital political reporter at One News and with me, uh, I haven't actually thought of two adjectives today, uh, the most uh, on point journalists we'll in the political s- sphere. On point, I yeah, like it. it. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm Jessica Much Mackay, Mikey
2: Sherman, Lillian Hanley.
0: Kia ora, tātou. Um, so, uh, first of all, we had a poll this week, big week, the One News Varian poll. Uh, it saw Labor on 29%, the National Party on 37 Act on 13 the Green Party on 12 Te Pāti Māori on 3% and New Zealand First on 4%. So that translated to seats in the House would see 55 seats for the left block, that's Labour, Green and Te Pāti Māori, and 65 seats for the right block, National and Act. And looks like, uh, based on those numbers, a pretty comfortable majority in the House. All of our jaws dropped when we saw that poll. It feels like a game changer, Jess, is it?
1: it's a pretty significant poll because we are 2 months out from the election the other thing that makes it significant is the fact that we've this is our fifth poll this year we only polled a month ago so those big shifts around have been in a small period for labor it's about the trend Polls aren't perfect. They're a snapshot in time. But what we've seen with Labour is since the beginning of the year, slowly stepping down, poll by poll, little bit being carved off and chipped off Labor's support. And that's what will be worrying them. The other significant part of this, which will be worrying Labour, is the fact that now the two leaders and the preferred Prime Minister numbers are so tight. 20 for Christopher Luxon, 21 For Chris Hipkins. What that shows is that people aren't that excited about either of the main leaders, but what they were what Labour were relying on was Chris Hipkins' popularity and we have not seen that. And I think what was really interesting is seeing the impact of that of the poll when we came back to Parliament yesterday and talking to all
2: those MPs. What are your thoughts? I think this is a catastrophic poll for the Labour Party. We are in the last sitting block before we head into the election campaign. This is the time that it matters. It's gearing them up to get out there and try to hustle for those votes and this would have dented absolutely the caucus confidence for the Labour Party. It's their worst result in six years and for the first time they have crashed and dropped below that massive 30% mark. You know, So going below that is just like, you know, no man's land. No man wants to be in that land, especially heading into an election. So absolutely the confidence has to be shaken for the caucus. They did put on a brave face when they rocked up on Tuesday this week. But, you know, oh, no did doubt behind it? the scenes. No <laughs> doubt behind the scenes. We do not buy it. They are shaken. Brave face from, from Labour and also
3: sort of a, a humble face from the Nats. When we rocked mm. them, they were very clear about saying that they, you know they're not taking anything for granted this is where they're at and they're kind of slow and steady picking up where Labour is slow and steady heading down I'm really curious that that below the 30 mark you mentioned um, a couple of examples in your story Jess about those kind of 20s numbers Andrew Little, Jenny Shipley a group that Chris Hipkins probably doesn't want to be in (laughs) or be kind of compared to Um, and he, one of his justifications around like you say Mikey the last sitting block right we're in the last sitting block and Chris keeps saying, well, we've been busy in government, we've been busy governing, and
1: we've yet to start the
3: campaign. Do we buy it? Mm. Well, no.
1: It? I mean, we've had their big a big campaign policy already, <laughs> called GST. Like, they've been campaigning. They've been out campaigning auto Market. They've been out um, announcing policy at Brooklyn School. So they're campaigning. And I get it. Like, that, it's only just beginning, and, and you know, we haven't even officially broke broken for the campaign proper, as it's called. But Come on, you, you are. Absolutely.
2: When Chris Hipkins Hipkins says they've been busy governing, I think actually what he means is they've been busy cleaning up their internal messes and that has really hurt the party and we're seeing it in these numbers. You know, his minister's ankle tapped him. He was riding that honeymoon wave for quite some time. Now we're seeing Chris Hipkins sort of crash down to that 21% in the preferred prime minister numbers right next to Christopher Lux on 20%. You know, Christopher Luxon used to get hounded for his preferred Prime Minister numbers, saying that he just couldn't sort of... um get any cut through with voters and then he wasn't kind of relatable enough. So what does this mean for Chris Hipkins who has been on the political scene for so long? He is a known face. He did the whole, you know, spread your leg joke during the COVID-19. He was the COVID recovery minister and yes, while that comes with its downsides for him, he's also like a well-known face and yet he's neck and neck with Christopher Luxon now on those preferred prime minister numbers. I thought it was really interesting, yes, today
1: that when we put that to him on Tuesday morning on the caucus run going into the caucus meeting that his instinct is to go right gloves off let's go for the campaign let's fight and I think that's interesting because a they've got two choices to sulk or to get up and fight and scrap and you can see that he's choosing that one he's saying no more Mr Nice Guy He's saying, we're going to push back. And even yesterday, we saw him try and shine that spotlight onto National, particularly what it would mean for their relationship with ACT. And I do think there was a switch yesterday as well, when we were interviewing Christopher Luxon, that he isn't seen as just the leader of the opposition Yesterday he was treated as though he could be a possible Prime Minister, and that's a very different standard. And people might say, oh yeah, that's been like that for the whole way through, but I think the poll numbers made that more of a reality, and I think he was treated like that. And there's a lot of pressure on him now to step up. He's not experienced with politics, things like answering a question straight. For example, things like um, being across all the policy details, being able to be nimble
2: at, yeah.
3: at what point does that switch in your experience, Jess? Do you think that Christopher Luxon will kind of switch and have to sort of start doing that properly, start answering those questions and being straight? Because this is a criticism of him for a while now, right? That he does sort of dance around the question and stick to his he talking delivers points his lines
0: over and over, exactly. And over again, rather Which than is answering the question. useful. Mm-hmm. We
3: do understand his messaging now,
1: but in the sense of how does he make
3: the switch? Is it possible or is it?
1: to me it's a confidence thing as a politician yeah. uh, when the longer you've been doing it the more in depth you are and it's just being nimble and i think he's not that's what he struggles with um yesterday when he was grilled when the report when the questions got feisty he um he got more energized which was really interesting mm. watching um how politicians do that often um when i've interviewed Opposition leaders on on all sides, you know, on both Labor and National sides. Sometimes that makes them shrink, and that didn't for him. So he does step up to you. And I said to him once on the stand up yesterday, "I'm gonna, inter- I'm just gonna stop you there. Can you please address the question?" Mm-hmm. And went back, and he did address a question. So when you when you put it to him, he can do it. He's just saying it's all about the cost of living. Answering the question, it's all about the cost of living, and that that can just be quite frustrating when you're when you're talking yeah, you, to him. You
0: can see his brain going, OK, tick, back on track, New Zealand back on track, we're heading in the wrong direction, tick, you know, going through those lines and not answering that question. And I think you're right that it is about that confidence. But the really interesting thing is when he does, when he is himself and he does answer the question a bit more intuitively, I feel like we see more of him, and I think that will actually do better for him in the long run because it's that thing that people were talking about. We don't know who Christopher Luxon is. We need to see that personality. It is a risk, of course, you know. If you go off script, you know, you could go into the weeds a bit.
1: I also think political instinct is something that takes time to to get in there. Now, that's something that you can't teach a politician or train a politician – And I just think you've got to be able to rely on your instincts as a leader. And that's where Chris Hipkins is strong. Yep, he can get fired up, but he knows the danger zones and where to go, and and his instincts are good. So I just think it's going to be really interesting, especially in the debates, because they're going to be lined up side by side, the way they approach them. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be really interesting. I'd also be keen to get your thoughts on ACT and the spotlight going on ACT a bit now because on these numbers and on most of the major polls, National's going to need ACT. And I think that is something that maybe um, makes, when I'm out and about, makes the centre voters feel a bit nervous. Yeah, we can do National, just a bit nervous about
2: what ACT would mean in the mix. What do you guys reckon about that? David Seymour has certainly been interesting this week um, and that's because I feel like we've seen him become... Slightly frazzled a little bit, and this is kind of just behind the scenes. Um, he obviously made those comments at the end of last week. Uh, the joke um, uh, that he says was a joke about sending in Guy Fawkes and blowing up the Ministry for Pacific Peoples, and just he's noting been, he
0: didn't say blow up at the time.
2: But he said blow up yesterday yeah, on the bridge. But yeah. yeah. I mean again, you know kind of dancing on the on the yeah. you know head of a pin here, um, and he 's been trying to do the same thing, but I think basically that 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 joke that he made it kind of put him up on the ropes um, with uh, some respects, and um, he hasn 't been willing to back down, and then he 's been kind of fighting. Uh, the media on it and then he's been fighting uh, on the issue of Winston Peters and New Zealand First and how much coverage they've been getting and I think that for a party that is on what 13 percent. 17 MPs. 17 MPs. 13 percent. 17 MPs. He's wasting energy on things that are becoming like a distraction for him almost. And it's getting him down in the weeds and it's not doing him any favours. So I would suggest that he needs to kind of take a breath, take a step back and kind of just enjoy the fact that his party is going from strength to strength in the polls. Well, on
1: these numbers, he's nearly doubling his caucus. He's, mm. He'd bring in an extra seven MPs. Um, what he's doing is working, and I hear, you know, agree. You know, he's given lots of ex, ex, explanations um, around that issue, and you know, we, we are open to. Uh, critiques and assessments of, of how we do things. But when you take a step back, my friend, you are doing very well in the polls. You are on track to be perhaps either deputy prime minister or a minister. Like, let's just keep, you know, your campaigning, your campaign strategy is is going well. Um, much better than Winston Peters is, although four is there or thereabouts. But, you know, let's just, I, I just, yeah, I think that he, it would... Th- he should enjoy
3: well, this time. There's, there's you-
0: no need to be on the defensive when you are very much on the offensive, you yeah.
1: know, and
3: doing very well. I think hmm. is there a, is there a, a, an element of that increased scrutiny that Luxon is seeing now, or National is seeing that is also now being focused on Act and also National Act and some of those policies, yeah, that's like fair. those those conversations we have been having sort of recently, but it really kind of came to a head yesterday when that solid right block with a clear majority clear victory, <laughs> clear new government. Okay, so how how will this actually work? Because there are a number of things. The Zero Carbon Act for example, National was unwilling to repeal but Act wants it gone. So mm. h- how are they going to sort those things out? And Seymour has made it very clear he is happy to sit on the crossbenches and negotiate each policy as it comes through. It's not going to be Gosh, that would be a tough way <laughs> to govern.
0: My gosh. One by one, one yeah. issue by one issue. But I, I wouldn't, just I wouldn't put if- it past him do you yeah, think? But, I mean, that's what David Seymour said too. It's like, it's, it's going to be difficult for both parties. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it sounds like something he's, it's not his preference.
1: I um, want to bring in one of the other poll questions that was really interesting around um, the trade off of supporting a wealth tax if it means free dental care. Do you want to run us through your analysis of that? Because it's a Greens proposition.
2: Right, so the Green Party obviously wants to bring in this wealth tax in order to pay for its policy of free dental care for every New Zealander, and we know that Chris Hipkins has ruled out any idea, any whiff, any notion of a wealth tax, but in our poll, around 63% of people said they would support a wealth tax in order to make that free dental care policy happen, and so that sends a very clear message to Chris Hipkins that actually this is something that people do want to see and it kind of raises the question as to whether he ruled it out too early and the other thing is is that when we dig further down into those numbers actually 81% of Labour's own supporters wanted to see that wealth tax and they wanted to see that free dental care policy so it does raise the question about whether Chris Hipkins overlooked his core supporters in order to kind of appease and target that middle swing voter and I think this is where it comes back to Jess is that you know, what are parties willing to trade off in order to get the support of their fellow party, you know, minor party supporters like the Greens. Would Hipkins be willing to do that? Now he has been adamant and he has ruled that out, but it comes back to Act and Nationalists. It's just like, what is is Christopher Luxon willing to rule in and out with David Seymour? Because we know that David Seymour's shopping list, when he goes to that cabinet table, will be long. It's extensive. He wants to get rid of basic basically everything, (laughs) Uh, especially anything associated with Māori, anything associated with ethnic communities, anything associated with uh, (laughs) the Ministry of Business and Innovation and Employment. I mean, he wants to get rid of half of that department. So the list is long. Christopher Luxon has been unwilling to kind of enter um, any discussion around what's in and what's out. I think at the end of the day, though, even though... David Seymour talks a big game. He's also a pragmatist. He's a realist. And, and when he gets into that cabinet table, in that cabinet room, um, he will be willing to make sacrifices. And he's done it before with euthanasia. Like, look how
1: um, strategically he managed to do that. So he does have a proven record, record with yeah. that. Um, I just think it's, it's interesting because, you know, Chris Hopkins is trying to stay in the 30s for Labour and knows that that middle voter is nervous about a wealth tax. Um, but it's that trade-off, isn't it? Because it's a, it is a it is a popular issue with, with the base, and it's just that constant trading, trading. His sole focus is like a train zooming down towards the election, trying to keep that middle vote happy and on board the Labour train. Do you oh. think... It was also
3: when I remember when we discussed um, because he ruled it out while he was overseas right he sent this this press release out and and basically shut it down and I remember us discussing it at that point and a part of that decision was also to remove a target for national right national if he if he didn't rule it out national could constantly mm. critique them and raise that and scare the voters so he was playing it safe I think is how we sort of talked about Shutting it then. and, attack line, and yes. so that kind of balancing Act. Do you, do we think though that he's he's kind of maybe got it wrong because mm. this poll and in, in terms of those numbers around the specific dental wealth tax question, do we think he got it wrong in that sense?
1: Uh, no, I think I think he has to stay. It's like that policy bonfire. He had to he had to give Labor a fighting chance to be in the mix, and I think um, things mm. like that would have just that it would have sped up. This process That's my view. I think he needed to.
0: And I was thinking, uh, you know, until recently we were hearing a lot from the National Party saying that line, you can't trust Labour on tax, you can't trust Mm. Labour on tax. They still say it, but nowhere near as much as they were saying a couple of months ago. So I think, yeah, it is a defensive way to sort of campaign, though.
2: I I don't even know that it's a question anymore because I definitely, definitely do not expect that Chris Hipkins would ever... Budge walk on that. that. He no. will never walk that back. The interesting thing will be what other tax levers are available to labor, and which ones will they pull? Like we still wait. We're still waiting for their tax policy. Will there be something around corporate tax? Something like that? Like, will he be able to kind of fill the gap a little bit and appease the Greens um, and sort of, you know? draw in a bit more cash in order to pay for some of these big policy ideas like Labour's GST and and other things. And
0: how well do we think that's gone for them? You know, it was uh, probably to the party they expected or hoped at least that the taking GST off f- fresh and frozen fruit and vegetables would really help them. H- has it had the impact that it was supposed to, do we think?
1: No, I don't think that that many people know about it according to Labour. Well, yeah, that's
0: what Hipkins said, right? Or is it that they're just not that impressed? Uh,
1: And maybe that. And I think once you... When I was reading it on that Sunday, the Sunday before last, two Sundays ago, I think, um, and reading through the policy and and the cost and you think, okay, $2 over four years, yep. And then you read it and it's like, and that will save $20. I was like, oh, yeah, a month. Huh? That's $5 a week. That's not on the average spend. So they worked it out on... um, household surveys and what people spend, they reckon it's about thirty, was it two fifty? Thirty, two fifty, around early thirties, people spend a week on fruit and veggies. So that means taking fifteen percent off is five bucks a week. And when you think about that, it just yep, for low income families five bucks is five bucks, but
0: it's just not quite the doesn't capture your imagination, does it? Not it's not Disneyland. mean, no, not,
3: not <laughs> universal dental or some big yeah. ideas that w- that those smaller parties is can Is that what Labour needs? Pitch, do they need a big, right?
0: big Hail Mary, you know, free dental? That's what do something they need? That's free
3: lines? Josie Pagani yeah. always talks about, right, is like this kind of big idea. But, you know, sell us something, give mm. us something that mm. we can believe in, which I feel...
2: I mean, I think maybe GST could have been that, but I definitely think that they lost a lot of the wind in the fact that National announced it first, like uh, two weeks ahead of them. Um, and, And I think... You know, even though, you know, it's it's said that people would save more money under national's tax cuts, actually, than they would under Labour's GST policy, the the ideas it kind of would, would resonate and, and kind of sell well with people. I mean, if you asked, you know, a punter on the street, hey, would you like to see GST removed from fruit and veggie? They'd mm. like that. Mm. And then if you say, hey, would you like a tax cut? They wouldn't necessarily know that actually you'd get more from the tax cut than you would from the GST. Mm. So I think Labour could possibly Still sell it and bank on, and hopefully bank on the fact that people don't realise that actually you'd probably get more money under Nationals tax cuts. Mm. But the other thing that I just wanted to quickly slip in here while we're talking about big ideas and this and the dental um, free dental policy from got the, the Greens. One, no, I just wanted to bring up the massive burn from Martimer Davidson mm. yesterday <laughs> um, towards the Labor Party. Yeah. You know, we we were like, okay, so here is the poll result. People like your policy idea, they do want a wealth tax, what is this message, what what message does this send to Labour? And she was like, Labour needs to step it up, they need to up their game, the Greens are doing our bit because of course the Greens have gone up in the poll 2%, and Labor's down 4%, and she's like, we're doing our bit, they need to do theirs, I can't tell them how to do their job, it was so (laughs) fiery, and it was so sassy, and I loved it, because for the last six years, they've just been such buddies, and now... The gloves are absolutely off And it was also good to have Penny Henare Basically kind of fire back And he was like Well it wasn't that long ago That we were talking about the Green Party Being below 10% And I was like Row. <laughs> So yes It is certainly election time
0: And one thing that we cannot ignore We cannot underestimate Is on our poll New Zealand First is on 4% Is Winston back, Mikey?
2: Winston is back, guys. I mean, Josie Bagani. Political commentator, she said it. She's read it. The members certainly thought so. And look, I just think you've got to take it in context. That context being that we've seen at least two other polls have New Zealand First there or thereabouts above that five percent threshold. So to see Nash, uh, New Zealand First going up in our poll, you know, it's 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 a it's a solid trend, yeah. and it, and it speaks well for New Zealand First. Um, and when we went to uh, film the public meeting in Pukekohe on the weekend, literally they had to wheel out extra seats because people were turning up and they wanted to hear Winston Peters. They wanted to hear New Zealand First's ideas. And, you know, some of their policies are, I mean, to quote Christopher Luxon, out of this world. (laughs) I mean, Winston Peters is talking about women's spaces. He's getting into that controversial topic, Um, but there's obviously some voters there who are interested in those types of policies, who are drawn to that, who feel like perhaps they're not being represented by other political voices, and it's working for him because he's going up in the polls. It is so interesting. Never count Winston Peters out.
0: There you go. Uh, and then, so, with this week? Is it this week? Gosh, it's all a blur. Uh, we also had the National Party list announced.
1: It was Saturday.
0: Saturday. Saturday. Um, and Michael Woodhouse announced that, well, he, just a couple of minutes before the list went live, actually, he went on Facebook and said, look, to his supporters, look, guys, um, the list about to come out. I'm not going to be on it. I uh, asked to opt out. Uh, what, what's going on there? What's happened?
1: Yeah, look, I think um, he was lower down in the ranks than he thought he deserved to be, former cabinet minister, uh, a lot of experience. But... Lay, uh, but national needed to bring in t- some diversity. They've been criticised for not having enough women. They've been criticised for not having enough um, ethnic diversity. And you know, we don't know Michael Woodhouse behind the scenes necessarily, but um, you know, he he may have been in. That's the other thing that you've got to even like. If like, if national does really well, he actually may may have made it back in off the list. It's a very um, red seat. In, is it Dunedin South? No
0: it's just Dunedin. Dunedin.
1: Um, a very red Against seat. Against
0: Rachel Brooking who is a minister.
1: Yeah and I think but if he had towed the party line and and kind of said yeah I, I get that it's a bigger picture here he might have been back and I just feel like sometimes in the heat of the moment you can react to things or people can get in your ear and I wonder if you know he's a strategic guy and someone like him should have taken a step back and said, okay, big picture. Is this how I wanna go out? He did a story in the Otago Daily Times. Um and there is a bit of uh he he has um stepped back from some of those things. But he knows he, he's a political player and it just feels like he should have again taken a breath and taken a moment and looked at the big picture. Um he yep, he felt slighted and I get that and I and I understand. But you also have to check yourself sometimes and be like, okay, well, maybe I'll get back in and maybe I I won't. But either way, this is the call that National and Christopher Luxon have made. And I just wonder if he. I
0: just hold tight for a bit.
1: I wonder if he should have, yeah, taken a, a bit more of a strategic approach on this one. Hmm. But otherwise, a very interesting list top 40, 21 women. That's a big, that's a really dr- drastic change. national, I don't think it's just women that they need to bring in. They need to bring um, some uh, different ethnicities into the mix a bit more too, but um, some really, yeah, some interesting candidates.
0: And Woodhouse too, he's shadow leader of the House, right? Mm -hmm. And he's got a pretty vast understanding of um, Parliament's standing orders by this point. Could have been on track to be Speaker, maybe?
3: Yeah, I think that was kind of his issue, right, was that he not necessarily uh, where perhaps he was placed, like perhaps he would have got in on the list, but I think his point was that he may, he was not ranked high enough to be kind of considered for a ministerial role. And there was that talk, I think in terms of who might become speaker, whether it was Woodhouse, given those reasons Mm. you've just said, or Jerry Brownlee, Mm. um, and possibly it's more likely that Jerry would get that, Mm. that role.
0: Yeah. Brutal game is politics. Well, um, should we just move on to pits and peaks? Um, I can start. Okay, Lillian's got, <laughs> I've got some. A,
2: I've got a peak.
0: My peak is
3: that we did a nice little stakeout this week, which I actually haven't done for a while. Felt a little bit out of practice, to be honest. Uh, but it was reminiscent of um, times in must have been 2021 when we did quite a lot around the National Party leadership. Changes at that time, I think we did a lot more then than we have been doing this year, so it was it was quite interesting to get out and do that again, uh, given we kind of hit that yeah below thirty number, which was alarming for labor, I suppose, and it was going to be quite telling what number we get next time. My pit is that i don 't have a pit because
0: every week 's a great week. <laughs> So inspiring.
2: <laughs> Every week. Have you thought of something
0: yet, Mikey? I've got something. I know.
2: Look, I've, I've, I've maybe I've got a pit. I've got a pit, and that is that there is only one Māori in the National Party's top 20. And I think in 2023, how could they get away with that in 2023? It is so interesting that they did not put Tamapotaka up higher. Uh, an MP who actually is doing quite well mm. and actually um, would probably be more disciplined than the likes of Michael Woodhouse, who threw his dumb, his toys and spat the dummy within a matter of minutes, mm. um, you know, creating a minor headache for the leader. I just think it's so interesting, though, that they do not have any other Māori in their in their caucus, in their top 20. Mm. Um, I think they come, you know, this week they have been talking up their record and they love to talk about their history, the National Party of Delivery for Māori. We set up the first Ko Hangareo, the first Kūra Kau Papa Māori. We've done most treaty settlements And I'm like, cool, mate, you just announced your top 20 and you've got one Māori, that's it. I mean, is is that the future for Māori under a National Party Act government, especially when you have the Act Party wanting to burn down anything that has anything to do with Māori? Like, the commitment should have been more. They should have put Tamapotaka higher, and I'm surprised they didn't because he seems as though he is quite competent. Mm.
0: Uh, the ACT Party certainly want to burn down anything in relation to well not burn down but you know um, take apart anything to do with co-governance and what they call divisive politics yeah, did you
2: I noticed my pun there with the um, Guy forks the fireworks <laughs> sort of burn it down <laughs> paraphrasing though I guys thought, I, thought so David, I thought David might enjoy that David I thought you might enjoy that one
0: um, I'm sure he's far too busy to, to listen to this podcast <laughs> who knows um, right so uh, for me I also enjoyed uh, the stakeout um, yesterday uh, it was very cold. Uh, it was my first stakeout. It was good fun. I particularly enjoyed. And forgive me, Duncan Webb, if this wasn't you, but a, a car drove past Sam and I, the CAMOP, cam quite quickly across Parliament's forecourt and simply slowed down just as as they passed us and gave a very vigorous wave, which I thought was quite a funny way of saying, screw you, I'm not going to stop to comment. <laughs> um, and we think it was Duncan Webb, but uh, not entirely sure, but... Um, uh, it feels like a Duncan Webb uh, piece of comedy there, so I appreciated that. Uh, and my my pit is actually um, look Tamapotaka, He's got a big cup of tea every every <laughs> caucus run. <laughs> every caucus run, and I'm here for that. I'm a big tea drinker myself, big fan of tea. I thought that that cup of tea was English breakfast, but I've I have some intel that it's actually that a sense. mixture of different kinds of herbal teas. And I, I knew find that, that wow. incredibly upsetting. Um, I think that should, that should probably be... Like, if I was going to be an MP... My member's bill would be to outlaw mixing what? different herbal teas. So that's I'm my pit. It. I'm not here for it.
2: <laughs> I'm I into love that it. That would be love your policy. A bit of <laughs> the peppermint, chamomile, just the big together, issues. working together. At yeah. The same well, time. at least now we know why the guy's not in the top twenty. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> one too many tea bags, my, <laughs> my friend. One too explained many. explained
0: <laughs> here on one uh, one news inside Parliament. Now we know the answers to everything. Jess, do you have pits and peaks? Ah, uh, my.
1: My favourite quote this week was from Angie Warren-Clark um, talking about bringing um, a mongrel to the fight. I really loved that. Um, Felix interviewed her on Tuesday. Um, poll days are always really um, interesting and fun and I um, just think from a, from a journalism point of view that it's really interesting digging into the numbers and getting into that stuff. Uh, we're only seven and a bit weeks to go now and it's um, feeling feeling quite big. So that's that's where I'm at at the moment.
0: Cup All right. Well, that was One News Inside Parliament, your peek behind the scenes on the biggest political stories of the week. And if you have a burning political question or you want to send us some lovely feedback, maybe some not so good feedback, whatever you might feel, send that to insideparliament at tvnz.co.nz and... Go to onenews.co.nz for more insight and follow One News on all the social media platforms. Thanks to Brian very much for producing this episode and if you liked this episode, tell a friend to listen and rate and review us. Ka kite.